the world's greatest prayer, the model prayer that Jesus gave us in Matthew chapter 6. I'll be preaching this morning part 6 of the series. We'll be discussing the last section. Uh, as Pastor Keith is absent this morning, he's asked me to do that. Last night I called my wife. I was up here at the church studying a little bit and I said, uh, did you tell the kids I was going to preach today? And she said, yeah, I told Lexi. I said, what'd she say? I was expecting some answer like daddy's going to get to preach in big church or daddy's the man, something, you know, self-honoring. But what I got was, yeah, dad, dad's not as funny as Pastor Keith. <laughs> so I don't, I don't intend to be funny, but if you look in your worship guide, I want to bring out something uh, that happened in our house last night. If you look in uh, number one, where it says, God blesses people who blank. Um, under that it says, He will give them tup uppy. You guys see that? Does everybody say, He will give them tup uppy? Well, last night I was acting like a, a TV preacher and I was going through the house saying, He will give you tup uppy! He will give you tup uppy! And my little two-year-old son in the bathtub said, A puppy? So that was pretty cute, but no, I'm definitely not as funny as Pastor Keith, so. Um, part six, yours is the kingdom. Yours is the kingdom would be the name of the sermon today. The world's greatest prayer, yours is the kingdom. The end of Matthew six thirteen in the King James Bible says, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Now that's not the same in the NIV, so the reason why we're going from the King James Version is because most of us have memorized the Lord's Prayer or the model prayer from the King James Version. But the end of it says, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I want to tell you that I count it a privilege to stand up here before you. Um, I serve as an elder here at Christ Community. We have four other elders, including the pastor. And I know I speak on behalf of Mike and Robbie and Raymond and Keith, when I tell you it's our privilege to serve you, and it's our privilege to stand in the gap for you, and I wanted to have a round of applause for our elders and what they mean to us and the decisions that they make for us. What I want to do, if you'll notice the three words that are underlined on your worship guide in Matthew six thirteen, you see kingdom, power, and glory. Those are going to be our three main talking points this morning. Those aren't going to be the names of the points, they're actually going to be the answers of the points. So what I want you to ask yourself, and the question is, what can I do as a believer to align myself into God's blessings? What, do, what can I do as a believer to put myself in a position to where God can bless me? What can I do to make that relationship clean enough to where I have myself in a position that God can bless me? Well, God blesses people who, number one, seek his kingdom. The first thing we've got to do to align ourselves for God's blessing is seek his kingdom. Matthew 6.33 from the NIV says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. A lot of you have heard that verse. When you look at the verse from the Living Bible, it says something different. It equates seeking his kingdom... With putting God in first place, it says he will give them the blessings to you if you give him first place in your life. So God blesses people who seek his kingdom. Seeking his kingdom is putting him in first place. So what does that mean to put him in first place? We throw that around. 
We say God is in first place in our life. That's what I'd call the Sunday school answer. Uh, what's in first place in your life? Well, have you ever asked yourself what's in first place in your life? I want to give you a list that is an acrostic with the word first that will tell you how to tell if something's in first place in your life. God wants first place in these specific areas. So if you look at your worship guide, you'll see the word first written laterally in cliff. That means up and down. Laterally. Okay. Uh, the F. The first thing God wants first place in your life is in your finances. In your finances. Putting God at first place in your finances is a trust issue. It comes down to a trust issue. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Most of you know it. We've learned it since we were children. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. Notice that the verse doesn't say lean on your job. Trust in your skill. Trust in your own propensity to make ends meet. It says trust in the Lord with all your heart. He will make your path straight. Now the same thing goes for tithing. God has provided us with our jobs. God has provided us with every penny that comes into our households, into our checking accounts. So when we don't make God a priority, when we don't write that check back to Him, when we don't sow into the kingdom, we're robbing Him and taking ourselves out of His place of blessing. It doesn't hold water to say, I don't have enough money at the end of the month to tithe when you wouldn't have any money if it wasn't for God. You're simply honoring Him back with what was already His. So it's a trust issue. God wants first place in your finances. And if you'll give Him first place in your finances, you'll show Him that you're ready to be blessed. The second thing He wants is the eye. 1 Corinthians 10.31, He wants to be first place in your interests. In your interests, in what you're interested in. Not the interest on your savings account, what you're interested in. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whatever you eat or drink, Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Let me ask you this. What are you interested in? Think about it. For some ladies, it might be their families. Men, it might be golf. It might be hunting. It might be work. What author are you reading? What are you watching on TV? What movies are you going to? Are you aligning those things with God? Is God first place in your interests? None of those things that I mentioned, your family, playing golf, hunting, these things aren't wrong in themselves. But if you don't get God first place in those interests, you've taken yourself out of that position of blessing. You're putting Him in second place behind those and they become what? They become an idol. So not only does God want first place in your interests, but He wants first place in your relationships. And that's the R. He wants first place in your relationships. 2 Corinthians 6.14 It's in your worship guide. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers, the Lord says. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? And what fellowship can light have with darkness? Don't be unequally yoked together. Now, this is not necessarily talking about friendships. Because relationship evangelism is one of the greatest tools we have in 2008 of bringing people into the kingdom. But this is for dating relationships, for engagements, for marriage relationships. Don't be unequally yoked together. 
Missionary dating doesn't work. When you get ready to go out with somebody, when you get ready to make a commitment to marry somebody, you better make sure that that person's beliefs line up with your Christian values and your core beliefs. Because the idea that you're going to get into a dating relationship with them and then you're going to be the one that draws that person to Christ is a great idea, but it doesn't work usually. So you keep that relationship on a friendship basis until you're sure that they're lined up with Christ, then you consider dating that person. But you never get unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Now, as far as relationship evangelism, I had a friend, Keith Kilgore, many of you know him. He was a local Mac Tools distributor. And Keith Kilgore was the model of relationship evangelism. He would make friends with people all over the city of Montgomery, bring them in his bring him in his tool truck to look at tools, and he'd witness to every one of them. But what he did, he won them over with a relationship. He won them over with a friendship, got close to them, and then that opened up to the gospel. So being unequally yoked is not about relationship evangelism, as Keith has taught us, but it's about that marriage and that dating relationship. But God wants first place in your relationship. If you're in any type of relationship, if you're in a marriage relationship between you and your spouse, Ephesians chapter 5, Paul tells us to submit to each other out of reverence for Christ. Just submitting to each other in a marriage relationship puts God first in that relationship. God gives us the biblical model in his scripture for every single type of relationship, but he wants to be put in first place. The S, God wants first place in our schedule. God wants first place in our scheduling. In a very drab and sad verse, Psalm 90.10, David says, The length of our days is 70 years, or 80 if we have the strength. Yet their span is but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. Does that sound like the life that we want to lead as Christians? I challenge you to not get into a life pattern or a pattern of scheduling where you're chasing after things that are, will quickly pass and fly away in the short 70 to 80 years that we have. There are several ways that I've noticed that we do this. The first way is if we spend all our time working 40, 50, 60 hours a week, whatever it takes, got to pay the bills, got to work. We spend all our time working for material possessions and very, very little time laying up treasures in heaven. All this is going to give us, King Solomon says, is meaningless, meaningless. Turning your Bible to Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Ecclesiastes is right after Proverbs, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes does not give us the author, but it's believed to be King Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived. In chapter 2, starting in the 10th verse, Solomon talks about the wealth that he had amassed and the things that he had bought and he had spent his whole life trying to make himself happy with things. In verse 10, he says, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my work. And this was the reward for all my labor. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. 
So that's what we get from our earthly labor. That's what we get when we put our priorities on earthly labor. When we don't put God in first place in our schedule, when we constantly put work in first place in our schedule, this is what we get. Another way we don't put God in first place and set ourselves up for the span of life being trouble and sorrow, according to Psalms, is when we let popular culture and we let society tell us what our schedule is going to be before we let God tell us what our schedule is going to be. For example, uh, we have to be at a supper club. We have to be at ball fields at a certain time because that's the thing to do. We have to be at this movie. We have to be at this birthday party. I can't help you, God, help this poor person out because I have to be at this social event. If we're letting society dictate our schedule, where is that putting God? That's putting God in second place. Society in first place. God's best for us is in second. So God wants to be first place in your schedule so that your days aren't empty. The T... I have lost the T. God wants first place in your troubles. Thank you, Donna. God wants first place in your trouble. Thank you, slides. Psalm fifty fifteen. And I will and call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you will honor me. Now, how many of you are really, really, really good at turning to God when you get in trouble? Raise your hands. Some of us are really, really good at turning to God. When we get in trouble, does everybody remember 9-11 when the entire nation wholeheartedly looked to God when we're in trouble? Sometimes we're really good at turning to God in trouble, but you know what? Some of us aren't. Some of us turn to other things rather than God when we get in trouble. God wants to be first place in your trouble. God tells us that if we call upon him in the day of trouble, that he will hear us, deliver us, and then we will honor him. So that completes the acrostic of first, and that's where God wants to be first place in your life. Remember, God blesses those who seek his kingdom, and by seeking his kingdom, we are putting God in first place in our life. So not only does God bless people who seek his kingdom, but secondly, God blesses those who depend on his power. God blesses those who depend on his power. Now, what does it mean to depend on God's power? There's a true thing called faith. And if you've never read Hebrews chapter 11, I challenge you to read Hebrews chapter 11 because it's called the hall of faith. And it talks about men who made a step of faith and took a leap and trusted God. God became real in their lives and real miraculous thing happened. Now, it's one thing to have faith and to depend on God's power on Sunday morning around your Christian friends, around our bubble. But it's another thing when the rubber meets the road and you're faced with that decision. And you have to decide whether you are going to strive and toil and fight on your own effort to solve that problem. Or if you can pray and believe in a supernatural gift from God and depend on His power. So depending on His power takes great faith. Galatians 3.9 says that, So those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. And remember, we're talking about how we can align ourselves... For God's blessing. And one way we do that is God blesses people who depend on his power. 
Now, how can I express my faith in God? I want to talk about several ways, several things that we can do to express our faith in God. Okay? First of all, taking risk to grow and obey God. The first thing we can do is take risk. God will lay things on your heart. And you know, he has a funny way of doing this. When God asks you to do things, sometimes he asks you to do things that require a risk on our part. They require us to step out of our comfort zone. They require us to step out of the comfort bubble that we're in and step out and do something. Some of you, God might be asking to witness to a coworker. And take the risk that you might be ostracized by that coworker, looked down upon, demoted, even lose your job by, by witnessing to a boss. Some of you, God's calling to take that risk. That's one way that you can show true faith that God's going to take care of you is by stepping out on faith and taking a risk. Some of you, like we talked about before, it's putting that check in the offering plate. Because that's what separates Sunday morning, I'm a great Christian, from real true faith is when the rubber meets the road. When you write that check and you put it in the offering plate and you rely on God to make ends meet that month. That's, you're relying on a supernatural gift from God. You're putting true faith in Him. So taking a risk is a way that you can express your faith in God. Jeremiah 17.7 says, I will bless the person who puts his trust in me. So the second way is by not giving up when you're discouraged or afraid. By not giving up when you're discouraged or afraid. There used to be a picture, and it was of a cat. And it used to hang, I guess it was in the 80s or 90s, it used to hang in many, many homes. And the cat was hanging by the rope. And it said, when life takes you to the end of your rope, does anybody remember? Tie a knot and hang on. And that's true, and that's good, but 1 John 4, 4 teaches us that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So when life gives us that storm, when life sends us to the end of our rope, we have our faith in God that we can hang on, that he'll pull us through that storm. We're not just relying on our own strength, but expressing that faith in God by not giving up, by knowing that God will pull you through. How many people in here listen to Rick and Bubba? Rick and Bubba is a syndicated radio station out of Birmingham. Um, Two country guys like to joke around on the radio. But Rick went through a real test two months ago. His two-year-old son, Bronner, baby, Bronner walked outside and drowned in their family swimming pool. And to hear the faith that Rick walked through that storm with, did any of you get a blessing out of that? It was such a blessing to see a man with such real faith when the rubber hits the road that can tie that knot and hang on with God's power supernaturally rather than in his own strength so it was such a blessing so we express our faith in God by taking risk and not giving up when discouraged or afraid James 1:12 blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test of time he will igno- he will receive the crown of life that has promised to those who love him James 1:12 So not only does God bless people who depend on his power, but God blesses people who live for his glory. God blesses people who live for his glory. And if you'll notice as we've gone through on our worship guide, 
points one, two, and three are the same as the underlined words in the verse. Kingdom, power, and glory. Those are our main words. As we talked about, those are going to be the answers. So God blesses people who live for His glory. Psalms chapter 115, verse 13 says, God will bless everyone who honors Him. So that's your blank. Will bless everyone who honors Him. Now let's talk about some ways, some practical ways that we can live for God's glory. What does it mean to live for God's glory? We talk about it. Uh, we're good at saying that we want to glorify God. But to truly live, to put God first place in your life, to align yourself with God in order for Him to bestow blessings on you, what does it mean to live for God's glory? Well, here's two ways, two very, very important ways we can live for God's glory. The first way is you can use your abilities to help other believers. You can use your abilities to help other believers. God has given each one of us at least one ability. A spiritual gift. When you accept Christ as your personal Savior and the Holy Spirit indwells you, God promises that He will give us at least one spiritual gift. Am I right, Mike? Mike's teaching a study on spiritual gifts, and you can get with him if you're interested in that. A spiritual gift is a supernatural power, not to fly or to have x-ray vision, but it's a supernatural power that God puts in every one of His believers to be able to serve the body and to serve Him. Some of you, it might be teaching. Some of you, it might be preaching. Some of you, it might be opening your home to a home team to facilitate a small group Bible study. Some of you, it might be leadership. Some of you, it might be witnessing. Some of you, it might be helping park cars. Some of you, it might be keeping children. There's abilities and talents that God has given everyone. And one of the ways that we have faith in Him, and one of the ways that we live for God's glory is to use our abilities to help other people. We have a gentleman in our church named Chuck Kiefer. Who knows Chuck Kiefer? Chuck loves to help people in need. That's his gift. Chuck gets groups of guys. He's a great leader. And he uh, gets groups of guys to go and help people that are in need, whether it's to rebuild a deck, rebuild a fence, fix a commode, paint a house. That's something that God's called him to. And something so small as helping the least of these, of just helping somebody that's in need, is an awesome way that we can use our abilities to help other believers and live for God's glory. Proverbs 11.25 says, The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. Do you want to align yourself with God's blessings? Do you want to be in a position where you can walk in God's blessing? Or do you want to walk the other way? Charity's brother Andy and I used to have a, a funny saying whenever one of us would get a blessing in our life. We used to say that, uh, one of God's angels must have been walking with a big tub of blessings over to Pastor Keith. And he must have just accidentally spilled a little bit over on us. But that's not true. God wants to bless each and every one of us. All we have to do is align ourselves with the way to get the blessings. Now, the second thing we can do to live for God's glory is the most important. And that's by sharing the good news with unbelievers. Categorically, we're failing at this. 
Not only as a body, but as a church of God across the country, we're failing at this. Why are we not sharing the gospel with unbelievers? I challenge you today. Think about it. When's the last time you took a step of faith and shared the gospel with an unbeliever? Why are we so embarrassed? God has entrusted us with a gift, the gospel message. He's promised us eternal life in heaven. He's, he, he's promised us a life with Him. He's promised us everlasting peace. But we're not sharing the good news with believers. Did you know, and those of you that were here last service know this, 80% of the evangelical Christian churches in the United States of America last year did not add one member to their role by way of new salvation, by way of baptism. The only people that are coming are skipping churches. And that's fine, but if people aren't coming because of salvation and baptism, we're not spreading the gospel. We've been called, entrusted, and commissioned to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. So don't be embarrassed about it. The word gospel means good news. You're offering that person life. You're offering them the greatest gift that anyone could ever offer them. So by sharing the good news with unbelievers, we live for God's glory. Psalm 50, excuse me, John 13, 17. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So what I want to do is I want to challenge you. Now that you've heard these things, you will be blessed if you do them. I want to challenge you to not just be hearers of the word, but be doers also. Jason's going to challenge you in a few minutes with sharing the gospel with an unbeliever. But I want to challenge you this week, now that you know these things, to do them. Put yourself in a position of God's blessing. Allow yourself to be blessed by God. Because if you're pulling away from Him, if you're not putting yourself in first place, come on up, Jeremy. If you're not putting Him in first place, then you're not going to be able to have His blessing in your life. So God blesses those who seek His kingdom... Number one, God blesses those who depend on his power. Number two, God blesses those who live for his glory. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. With every head bowed and every eye closed in the room, I want to ask you a few questions. No one's looking around. No one will see you if you raise your hand, except myself and God. But I want to ask you this. Are you aligned with God's blessings? Are you putting yourself in a position where God can bless you? Some of you might come this morning and say, you know what, Nathan? I don't remember the last time I shared the good news of Jesus Christ with someone. Some of you might come this morning and say... God's not blessing my life. Everything I put my hand to is failing. But today I've got an answer. And I'm going to start putting God first place in my life. I'm going to start trusting in His power. If anyone has been failing and not been blessed, but they want someone to pray with them and make a commitment to put God first in their life, just slip up your hand. And we will have somebody to pray with you. Amen. Just raise your hand high. Amen.
I never want to close the service out without asking this question. If anyone is in the sound of my voice who's been playing church, who knows the right answers, you might come every Sunday morning, but you've never asked Jesus Christ to come in and be your Savior and Lord. Or maybe this, maybe you said a sinner's prayer, but you never made a 180, you never made a repentance, you never made Jesus the Lord of your life. If you would like to make that commitment to Jesus Christ today and become a believer, just raise your hand where we can see it this morning. Just slide it up. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what it means to us. We thank you for the model prayer. We thank you for teaching us to pray. And I pray that each one of us in our own personal prayer lives will use the model prayer as a model so that we will remember to thank you, so that we will remember to make our requests and petitions known before you. We thank you for the commitments that have been made this morning. Bless us as we seek to put you first in our life. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.